Hello and welcome to another episode of burp, 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 Over Drinkers, the Story Screen Presents podcast where I, Mike Burge, get together with a friend or friends, talk about a movie or movies. And today we are continuing our uh, little mini series on Over Drinkers where uh, I am joined by the absolutely lovely and lovelorn Tim Irwin. <laughs> Hello. Glad to be uh, back. Yeah, man. Welcome back. And we are covering this miniseries is uh, pretty much um, in a nutshell. It is um, about nine movies from the 1990s that were comic book adaptations that heavily were inspired or ripped off um, Tim Burton's Batman uh, kind of uh, the, the 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 fury of studios back in the day to figure out exactly like why did Batman work? How, how can we capitalize on that? What can we do? Um, you know, in the first one, we covered Dick Tracy, The Rocketeer and Darkman movies that had extremely strong ties uh, to Batman down to the fact that like Danny Elfman was doing some of the scores for those movies uh, that just sounded like the Batman score. Um, this one, we're, we're getting a little bit further away from that. It's interesting. The further you get away and the more into the nineties you get, the inspirations are still there, but they start to vary and they start to change. And they also kind of start to impress upon each other. So in the third part, we're going to have some movies that are not only like ripping off of Batman, but they're also ripping off of the ripoffs of Batman that were successful and like kind of becoming this monster, um, That'll be fun. But for part two, the penultimate episode, uh, we are covering three films and they are all from 1994, which is fun. Uh, we are going to be covering The Crow, The Shadow, and The Mask. All movies. All the movies. All the move. All the the movies. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, we're gonna do them in that order. We're gonna break into the crow real quick. Uh, so, uh, here we go. Let's jump in. Let you ready to jump in, Tim? Let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's do it. Let's, let's, let, let's crow, baby. Yeah. Let's crow. All right. So the crow, uh, like I said, released in 1994. This one was released in May of 1994. Um, it is directed by, uh, Alex Proyas, uh, who is my sweet, sweet, sweet God's of Egypt director. Um, oh, that's sick. I didn't look oh, it is. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, fuck yeah. Uh, he's also really known for, he, he's mainly known for The Crow and Dark City. He did Dark City in 1998. Um, atmospherically, very similar movies. Uh, and The Crow is, um, you know, it's The Crow. Uh, a man is brutally murdered. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, his fiance, his wife to be, mere hours from their wedding day, uh, is also brutally murdered, and he returns a year later, uh, imbued with a superhuman-like abilities, and takes revenge. Mm -hmm. Um, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Uh, the the connections to this, like it's based on a comic book. I believe the comic book had like three or four parts or entries, maybe five uh, that kind of cover the whole story. It's 
I don't know how familiar, Tim, you are to the Crow comic book. No, I don't think I knew any of these comics. Well, actually, you know what? I know a little bit about the shadow, but we can. Cool. That's next. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the Crow, uh, essentially, like the comic book kind of or quick oral history on that is that uh, very angsty black and white um, uh, comic book about grief um, and coming to terms with grief. And pretty much what happens in the movie is more or less what happens in the comics over like it's five, like kind of chapter run uh, things are just kind of moved around. Characters are kind of like replaced with other things and everything's just kind of like, everything's just kind of like altered a little bit to just kind of like act more as just like your nice little hour, 40 minute movie. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And uh, the differences are actually just so slight that they're really not even all that interesting. Um, I like read up on like what they are. Like I have not read the comic. Uh, I've seen panels from it over the years. It looks sick. It looks like a, like a, like a, it's got kind of like a Tim Burton's Mm -hmm. illustration kind of vibe to it. I can see that. Um, Super violent, uh, very brutal. The crow character in that is a little bit more um, gruesome in his acts. Whereas in this one, he is, uh, you know, what he's doing is pretty gruesome at some points, but there's like a morality to it. There's like, these people deserve this kind of thing. The movie goes through pains to show you again and again and again that no matter how bad what the crow is doing to these guys, like they kind of deserve it. What the pawn, the pawn guy really do that was that bad? Well, he doesn't kill the pawn guy. He uses the pawn guy to like intimidate them uh, to know that he's there and get them rattled up so that he can like, infiltrate them and stuff like that but he still almost oh, he, killed the pawn he guy. almost kills him but he doesn't he does which i i like and i think it's just because the guys then sold the stolen stuff to the pawn broker that he's was got why the wedding he was ring mad. yeah he's but, got the engagement ring yeah that's just his job man i don't know mm-hmm. you can't well, they, bet every purchase they also do the <laughs> classic you know well if this is kind of like morally gray, just make the pawn shop guy like an absolute scumbag. Yeah, you know, you're like, oh, all right, it's bad, fine. I yeah. guess, yeah. <laughs> um, which is funny too because that actor is uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, John Polito, and he was in The Rocketeer. Yes, yeah. And he plays like a kind of similar like scumbaggy kind of character yeah, that meets guy, like an right? untimely demise. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, also blew up, right? Didn't they blow him up both times? I'm pretty sure he blows up. He he blows up both times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this movie stars Brandon Lee, notoriously Brandon Lee's uh, final performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a little bit of digging. In, he was uh, tragically killed on set with a uh, a blank bullet that still had the yeah. um, tips in it. Yeah, yeah, something yeah, stuck it, in the barrel, and then the something the stuck next in blank. It. Yeah, shot it out. Yeah. And that I, I did a little digging. I because I never knew exactly how much of the movie was left mm. to be shot when he died. And what scene was it that he is the intro that it happened? It was the intro. I always thought that it was the big ending scene, like with all the blank guns yeah, fired. Yeah. I always thought it was that. It's the intro because they were saving shooting the flashback intro, um, Eric's death scene. They were saving that for last because of how intense it was going to be. Um, And it's in that scene when they started shooting that. So they still had eight days of filming. Uh, Only three days of that were where Brandon Lee was going to be needed. So he pretty much wrapped up everything outside of a few things here and there throughout the movie 
which are easily done with body doubles, uh, superimposing some CGI face on there, which is like a conversation that we're all having right now. Yeah, that's what I thought too when I was because yeah. I did I did read up on this a little bit, and it was crazy how much they just did all this versus like now when it's like a big deal, you know, and mm-hmm. it's a, a big like. Oh, should we? Shouldn't we? You know, can I get yeah. a dead guy to do his uh, do a whole movie? You know, all this stuff that you know, right? Yeah, and this they just kind of did it and they put the movie out and it's it's a that's always like the lore of the movie, but it's not. It wasn't really. It doesn't stick in my mind as something that was really controversial. No, I mean, I think it was more. You know, notoriously, I know about like they they could not find a studio to distribute the movie. Mm-hmm. Because of the incident and what was surrounding it. And Miramax, <laughs> they took a chance on it. Um, and it and, and it and it and it pulled off. Uh, uh, they pulled it off. Um, yeah, it was he uh, apparently there instead of like when Eric first comes in, he uh, gets stabbed uh, you can see all that stuff is like really shot from behind mm-hmm. uh, to kind of just create more of like a flashbacky, you know, given the circumstances, it's a very good idea. Like a, it, that's like a good way to kind of prevent any issues with having to film that very integral scene that they're going to keep flashing back to over and over and over again throughout the movie um, without showing his face. I guess uh, what it was is that uh, he was just going to get shot in the chest once with a gun that was in like a, a garbage bag yeah. or like a plastic bag. And th- it's horrifying to think about that. Like, just like, well, shoot me with the blank. We're acting. And then yeah. it's just like, oh, it's in, it, it's insane um, to even like consider. And apparently it all happened like very quickly. Um, and and yet, didn't like didn't act for years after that either. I, I bet. Yeah. Like it's, was, I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Uh, I, I, do you know which actor it was? I didn't it's, see uh, that. The guy who he kills with all the heroin needles. Um, oh, God. Yeah, it's like fun the boy. guy. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's insane. I mean, that's some like, again, like kind of oddly, unfortunately topical right now because we just had everything that happened with Alec Baldwin mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. Rust or is it Rust? Uh, I think it is rust. Yes, rust. Uh, you know it's which it's, that's gnarly. If that shot a camera, man, that's the same sort of thing. Like so, just pointed it straight at a camera and just blasted. Yeah, ugh, it's insane. It's nuts. Yeah. Like it's it's one of the reasons that like you know when that happened, like all of my friends that kind of like work within the studio or work on sets and stuff like that. They're always kind of just like, man, like the shortcuts that are taken from time to time, like they happen like any other job. And it's just like, it goes and goes and goes and thousands and thousands and thousands of projects are done for years and years with nothing going wrong. And then it's just like that one time that Uh something like that really goes wrong. Like it's a super big deal because that's why it doesn't happen that often is because like all of these things are in place to prevent something like that from happening. And it's just like something gets in and it's just like, ugh. well, that I mean, everything around that is just like the the armor they had on that was a crazy person who is very unsafe. Yeah. Um, I think most of the time they're usually not using them for live fire and then throwing them, throwing them into the blank box, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and like in this situation with the crow seems much more like a very just like it was a mistake. Yeah. Like it was just like. There's a lot of there's a lot of bullets 
uh, on camera. There's a lot of guns on camera, shoot, uh, fake shootouts and stuff like that. And just somehow the wrong bullet found its way into the wrong gun and it just happened. But yep. um, so that's that. That's that kind of like legendary thing about this movie. Uh, the movie also stars Ernie Hudson yeah. uh, of Ghostbusters fame, which it's always fun to see him in something Same. besides Ghostbusters. Uh, Michael Wincott plays Top Dollar, the bad guy. I love yep. Michael Wincott with every fiber of my being. Him and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, is one of my favorite performances ever as like the snivelly little nephew of, uh, or he's like the cousin of um, the Sheriff of Nottingham. He's so fucking good. I just watched uh, Nope again the other night. And he's uh, he he's just came back nope. like he's got Nope. He's so fucking good as that char- a hard character to pull off, yeah. I would say, uh, in a movie that character being who they are in a movie that is what nope is about a little difficult yeah he, um, he killed it yeah and uh so i mean like with all that stuff out of the way it's like tim what's your relationship with the crow like you had seen it before yep i i definitely had but all a lot of these movies that we watch are movies that if you ask me if i've seen them yes i've seen them but have i seen them since i've had like a fully functioning brain like no you know so like the the sort of cultural uh references keep them in mind enough to be like oh yeah i've seen that movie but some of the finer points you don't remember so i remember seeing the crow when i was young um and like a vague vague recollection of it but uh yeah i don't know it's um aesthetically it's just not my thing uh this is i was talking about it I was talking about it. I was at lunch today, finally got to eat at Hudson Packard again, which is like a Detroit style pizza place here in Poughkeepsie. That's like always like full or sold out. They're so fucking good. And I was talking about how like of the three movies we're covering right now, I was like naming what my favorites were. And The Crow was last. And my buddy, uh, uh, Scotty Arnold, friend of the show, uh, past and future guest, um, was like, The Crow is seriously your least favorite of these three. And I'm like, the crow is just like you said, Tim. It's not my bag. That's not yeah. my vibe. Like I think the crow is an excellently made movie, and mm-hmm. I think that for what it does, it does it very well. And a lot of imitators have come ever since, and nobody's gotten it just as right. And I think it's mainly because Brandon Lee is so fucking good in the movie. Like it is his movie. Ultimately, he is like it's it's that kind of double edged like it's almost kind of like what when you're watching like heat heat ledger in the dark knight as the joker and you're just mm-hmm. kind of like everything is very cool that's happening in this movie and this movie is very cool especially if you're vibing with it but like what he's doing in this movie is like he makes it look easy but it's not like being able to swap back and forth between like grieving and menacing and jovial like the jokiness that he has on this is stuff that i i always forget about until i rewatch it where it's like he's kind of like a little bit of a trickster in some points like when the cops show up and they're like freeze and he freezes and then he like does that kind of sidestep dance like (laughs) off to the side while leaning you're like why did he do that his his fiance was like brutally attacked and murdered a year ago he's out for revenge and he's just like skin him a rink he's having a a good time well he's he's insane he's a crow crows are uh are tricksters yeah yeah you know Mm -hmm. His, his name is d raven very good i mean that's the kind of stuff that i go touche good job eric raven. eric d raven 
Ah, Dr. Avon. Ah. Um, I think Brandon Lee's fantastic in the movie. I think all the villains are great. The uh, I was I used to watch this movie a lot when I was younger because uh, I think it was just on TV all mm-hmm. the time. I think this thing was just constantly in like TNT USA yeah, rotation. For sure. And so there were moments of it where I found myself like I don't really have a huge admiration or big memory of the movie. And again, I like the movie a lot. I think it's very, very good. Uh, but again, just like not my vibe. Um, but I found myself at certain points like with the fire it up, fire it up, fire it up. I was like, oh, I remember that. And then I remembered the the uh, what's is is his name Skank, the last bad guy to die. Oh, yeah. The one looks like Bam. He's like just trying to kill all of CKY this whole movie. He's trying- <laughs> That is our episode, ladies and gentlemen. We are ending on a high note. It is not going to get any better than that. That is great. Um, when he says he's like, he's like, uh, when he finally catches Skank after like all the, all the, 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 the big shootout gun, gun showdown at the end. And he's like, what's wrong, Skank? You nervous? And he's like, I'm not Skank. That skank over there, skank's dead. And he's like, you're right. I remember like as he started saying that, I was like, oh, right. I remember this exact like beat for beat, line for line, this part of the movie. So it was like it rewatching it earlier this morning at like 9 a.m. with a cup of coffee and a cat on my lap. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Uh, again, like not the optimal time to watch this movie at, uh, in the daylight. Um, I was just like kind of like taken aback by how much of the movie I remembered and how much of it was like actively impressing me. It's this being the last one of these three is kind of like what I was talking about with Robbie about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, where Volume 3 is my least favorite of the three. It's still an amazingly good movie and I like it and it's better than most of the junk that they've got going on in that franchise right now. But it's like volume two and one are like extremely special to me. And volume three is just a very good chapter closer. Whereas The Shadow and The Mask are movies that I watched. I have watched dozens and dozens of times. I know those movies pretty much front to back. And even though I did watch The Crow a lot, it's the one that I have the least like connection to. Yeah. The least I feel the least precious about it. Because I don't think that it's really made for someone like me. We don't wear leather. We don't, you know, we don't wear we're leather. Not, not angsty, really, you know. Black, black. I, I love the, I, lo- I love too, like this kind of like idea of the early 90s, like proto goth. Yeah. It's great. Like before the shit really exploded in the late 90s when everybody saw the Matrix and the Crow. And they were just like, we are going full tilt right now. Like, this is goth in an era where Hot Topic is just getting started. For sure. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is this is like one of the, the foundational texts, you know. Mm-hmm. Who was your favorite uh, of the four? Uh, like the, the 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 criminal, like the gang, so to speak. Um, geez, I mean, the knife guy was kind of cool. The knife guy, Tintin. Tintin, yeah. Tintin. These guys' names are Tintin, T-Bird, Skank. Oh, yeah, and I forgot. Fun, and Fun Boy. I forgot T-Bird was the one that, yeah, they, they just blew him up. T- I love that, he, too. T- like so T-Bird, T-Bird is, he's the dude from the Warriors, uh, David Patrick Kelly. Uh, he's like, the Warriors, mm. come out and play. Clink, and clink, 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 clink. Yeah. And he came back, uh, it was like the best, like, he is... 
the dude in the first John Wick that is in charge of like the cleanup crew. Oh, okay. Like when when John Wick first kills all those guys yeah. in his house, he calls the cleanup crew. Yeah, love it. That's a fun. That's a fun. I think he's my favorite him. because he's just so like. It's kind of sad when he dies, like a little bit, because he kind of realizes what's going on and is kind of like flabbergasted by it. That scene was a little confusing, too, because there were the two parallel police chase or car car scenes. And I I don't know, I must I might have looked down at my phone when that kicked off. And then it was like, why? Why are there two car things going on and how do they connect? Yeah, it was like one person's chasing after one person while the cops are chasing after them. But then they're chasing after them. But then there's a car crash and it kind of just ends them all. Yeah, it's not it's not tight. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> okay. uh, you know, it, it's not uh, it's not airtight. Um, uh, I, but I just love like when when T-Bird like realizes like who he is and he's just like, I know you. I knew I knew you, but you can't be you. You're fucking dead. You're dead and there's no coming back. There's no coming. He starts freaking out and he tapes his eyes open so he can't close his eyes. <laughs> it's great. And he starts reciting the poem, like the uh, whatever passage he was reading the night that they did it, because he remembers it, like oh, where it's yeah. like the uh, the like what is it like the devil saw kindness oh, and yeah, he was scared doing, or yeah, something like that. Some Manson type shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wild. Um, yeah, the crow. Yeah, what do you, what do you got on the crow? What else do I have in here? Uh, you know, I really like all watching all of these so far. I it makes me miss uh, miniatures and matte paintings. I mean, this is part of the thing. It's like its connections to Batman are kind of pretty evident in its like kind of like make believe city, you know, really fun miniature work, like fun miniature work, fun, like uh, like uh, like uh, like like the matte paintings, like you said, like really like just like stretching your dollar with like early like 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 early like computer uh enhanced imagery and stuff that was like why the 90s were like so fucking cool because it still had the at movies made in the 90s still had the attitude of the 80s and like the originality of them but they had like far more advanced tech but yeah. not too advanced where it's like you know you don't have this to do any of the, the yeah, special this movie's stuff, coming yeah. out right around the time of like terminator 2 where people are like how the fuck did you do that like they people couldn't figure out how james cameron did what he did in terminator 2 for like another eight years yeah, I mean, there were there were a lot of like really just nice, nice like pans and like shots where they're like flying over this miniature city, and then it tracks into that that big window that's broken out, and then that's the real scene. You know, they yes. they filled that in. There was some really really nice nice stuff like that. It looked good. Movie magic, baby. Yeah, it's sad. You know, now that would all that I think that's the thing is that in the '90s you had and before before like the 2000s you had those constraints where you did have to have like a physical lens go in through that city and get a good shot and then you could pick your moment for where to put in your cg whereas now you'll do the whole thing in cg and the camera will do like a 360 spin through the streets and it's like i guess that's okay i don't uh, i I don't need it it's okay for things that like totally make sense for the fabrication of that they just do it in everything they're just like it's like you're using like the same technology and like talents and maneuvers and effects to like go into ant-man's house right as you are like when you're in the quantum verse it's like why are you doing this you don't don't need it yeah just pick your battles yeah um 
Let's see. Uh, oh, I mean, we got a shout out. Um, uh, Over drinker, um, the cut up whore from Unforgiven. Oh uh, yes, the cut. <laughs> I did not know what you were talking. I was like, what past guest on Overdrinkers are you calling a cut up whore? <laughs> she's she's the cut woman from Unforgiven. Yep, yep she's uh, uh, Darla in this. Yep. She's like the mom. Yeah, and he has that I, cool I, moment where he he pulls the morphine out of her is, veins. That was good. Literally one of the coolest spots. I like right before that moment happened again. Like I had that like that flashback where I was like, Oh, that's right. He does that thing. And he's like, he says something. He's just like, like a mother is the gift of God to all children. Morphine is poison. Your (laughs) daughter is in the streets. Like he's got that great, like that voice that he's doing in this thing. is just, it's something else, man. It's like, it's not bad at all, but it is a choice. It's Mm -hmm. a, it's a voice choice. He kind of sounds like he has vampire teeth in sometimes. A little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I uh, mean, also, like, the soundtrack, too, on this thing is just, like, out of this world great. Like, when he's like, I will become the crow. And he starts, like, putting the makeup on. Mm-hmm. And it's just like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then just my my last note is just like the common thread through all these 90s movies is armorers in the 90s were always on some real funny shit with like like there's the one the right hand man of the of the big bad guy has that crazy weird triangle gun oh right yeah yeah i love like the 90s there's always oh, an insane gun in all of the movies oh yeah that's tony todd that's candy man Oh shit! It's insane. Like, cause you're just like, what the fuck is Tony Todd? Like, you're like, oh, is he gonna be like a bad guy too? And they're like, no, he's just kind of like the big bad guy's secretary. He shoots at a couple people. His biggest thing is like he's trying to shoot the crow like at the end to like mm-hmm. take their powers. Oh yeah, right. Tony Todd. Yeah. yeah, Tony Todd is like one of your supporting bad guys. Supporting bad guys. <laughs> like, you're off to a good start. Um. Righteous. No, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, the Shadow. Uh, Nineteen ninety four again. Uh, directed by uh, Russell Mulcahy. Um, best probably no, definitely best known for Highlander. He directed Highlander. Uh, he is also like the main dude behind the Teen Wolf reboots uh, that have been going on right now. He directed a lot of the episodes. He directed the 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 movie quote unquote movie that they made of it. <laughs> Um, what are movies anymore? Uh, I also think that he directed one of the Scorpion Kings. Oh, nice. So, you know, good for him. Um, another nope connection. And yeah, so the shadow is based off of, um, the comic series and the radio, mainly the radio, like play teleplay that would happen. Um, and that was eventually turned into one of like the earliest, like detective comics, uh, before they were even Detective Comics, before they were DC. Uh, long-running series made over, like, a thousand issues, and it follows, uh, kind of like in your standard, um, like, what every superhero was like back then. Uh, it's just, like, it's a guy that's got a lot of money who's, like, an aristocrat of some sorts in this, like, kind of made-up town. Uh, although it is New York City in this, but... Boy, oh boy, does it not look like New York City at all in 1930s. Um, 
and he is secretly at night an avenging presence uh, fighting crime. Uh, it stars Alec Baldwin as Lamont Cranston. <laughs> it's his name. Yeah. Uh, and he also uh, plays the shadow uh, with like a with a big old schnoz. It is. And he the, get, the mask does big, not help. No, no. The, he gets a big old schnoz and a uh, uh, like a little bandana. It's like um, a scarf because a bandana would cover your nose. You're right. He's got like a little scarf going on. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it also has like a banger supporting cast. Peter Boyle, John Lone, Ian McKellen, Tim Curry. Uh, Jonathan Winters is just like seemingly just showing up to eat things in this movie. Like every scene he's in, he's like scarfing down like what looks like pretty good food. And it doesn't look like Jonathan Winters is uh, is wasting any of it. <laughs> no. Um, not to be rude or anything. Uh, He's a big boy. Like, James Hong is also in the movie briefly at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. He's like the dude that gets killed, uh, which, you know, it, it's 2023. If you don't know who James Hong is, check out, buddy. It's everything everywhere all at once. Big Trouble in Little China. Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> James Hong, living legend. Um, but yeah, what was this your first time seeing The Shadow? Yeah, this one's my favorite yeah. of the three. This one rocked. Talk to me, Tim. Uh, this one's is so just everything like Alec Baldwin as a as a opium den lord is so mm. crazy. Mm. <laughs> just I couldn't believe it that that's how it opened. And then they they Palpatine has returned his training sequence, which is great because honestly, uh-huh. I I really didn't need another half hour of him doing training. It would have mm-hmm. been too long. But when they was, just scroll it up, they were like, just, "He's got he powers now." Everything by the way. that he needs to know. Moving on. And they You're didn't great. have to to put that crack at New York City in there. That was rude. The what? The and the the crawl oh, says like the, going to the, the most vile, yeah. desolate home of villainy. Yeah, New York City. Yeah, I didn't like that. Uh the music. Yeah, in this thing, the dom, dom. I as soon as I started hearing that, I like so I bought this on VHS to for the rewatch to watch it on VHS because I owned it on cassette when I was younger and would watch it all the time. So I wanted to, I wanted the full immersive experience just like that. And I watched it with Diana. And as soon as that, as soon as like the opening title start with that kind of like, a, it is a music cue, but it also becomes like a sound effect in the movie that, that whine that like, and like the shadow like starts coming through and stuff like that. I, I was like, this is it. This is it right here. And then one of the first things you see is Alec Baldwin with those nails. <laughs> the nails. <laughs> and he's like this fuck again, like he's like this like fucking drug lord in some specified, but really doesn't need to be specified, like Asian land in the 30s. And Diana was next to me. She had never seen it too. And she was like what the fuck does he look like that through the whole movie i'm like no 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 this is this the long is, hair too he's just getting oh started God. he's yeah. just he's 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 got to start at the bottom to work his way up to the top and he like 
he's a hero for the movie, but like he, there's really no redemption arc. He just kills the guy in the beginning just because he's an asshole. You know, yeah. it's not like he. But then he comes back to the city. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm good now, by the way. Yeah, but he's wrestling. It's it's like they're definitely trying to like really hit home on like the anti heroness of him where it's like this is a bad guy who through the magic of Himalayan Asian, Hellraiser Asian mysticism no, was they, like they, they redeemed him, they give him the Himalayan Hellraiser treatment where that like that that, <laughs> that that's blade or whatever screaming at him very very Laplace box thing I yeah. fucking love that blade man he's <laughs> my favorite he starts spinning on the ground. Oh man, it's awesome. When it bites his when it bites his um what do you call that part uh, of your webbing? like the webbing like between your thumb and your yeah. your, your your index finger? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's the best. Uh I also um I love Alec Baldwin in this movie. I think he's on some next level fucking shit. Uh John Lone, who plays um uh Shiwan Khan, the bad guy. Oh yeah. I think that that performance is so fucking great. I'm not exactly sure how campy and goofy the performer and everybody on set were aware of that. I feel like there's a certain level of like kooky goofiness to this movie. Like they're not taking themselves too seriously. Like I do think that there there's some silly shit in it where it's just like like when he blows away like the, the, the concrete rock. Yeah. On the guy's legs, on the guy's feet and stuff like that at the beginning of the movie, you're like, that's ridiculous. Like, they know what they're doing. Well, all the lines, too. Like, the, yeah. one of his first lines in that scene, he's like, the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Like, mm-hmm. and he's just, like, screaming that into the void. It's the best. Like, it's so good. I would, like, if I was a criminal, I would hope to get, like, messed up by someone like the Shadow who just, like, had this kind of attitude, you yeah. know? I mean, when when uh, Khan first shows up, Khan has such an like a wishmaster vibe to him, where yep. he's just like always making people kill themselves for some reason. Put uh, your gun to your temple. Yeah, it's the he, best. He get so first thing he does is he he makes that security guard kill himself, and then who is the guy that plays Neelix in Star Trek Voyager? By the way. <laughs> You're welcome. Moving okay. on. And then uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know Voyager. I don't know Star Trek. This doesn't mean anything. Just like your oh, okay. <laughs> and then all right, so he kills that guy, and then the other two dudes run in, and he's hiding, pretending to be a mannequin. He's in full armor. He just killed a guy, and he's playing the statue game. Best. <laughs> so and funny. It, it like shows him like he looks very proud of himself too that he has made this decision <laughs> yes. and that it's working out to his advantage. He's like, it's working. These feeble-minded motherfuckers. And I it's thought like, couldn't you was... just like shadow them and they can't see you? You you hide a whole building later on. You have to like hide in like a bunch of mannequins like Bugs Bunny. <laughs> and I thought that he was like uh like a frozen man at some point or like like it sound it seemed like maybe he was old but not like i thought he was a thousand year old when he first showed up so the idea that he would know what a museum is and then be able to like be like oh i can hide here yeah so i think there's like there's a confusion because like when i was growing up i always thought that he was like Genghis Khan yes that's what i thought himself yeah because they because he shows up in Genghis Khan's um 
uh, like two casket, like yeah. casket or whatever but he's just like the descendant and he used genghis khan's casket to like transport himself for some reason <laughs> why um, can't you just take a boat <laughs> look he's a complicated guy uh i would imagine that i don't know how long he's been like chilling out and why he looks like that because he almost immediately is just like i'm gonna get a haircut Get a nice little yeah. shape. Yeah. Dress up real nice. They have the Brooks brothers. That, that's, that, or yeah, because I thought he was Genghis Khan or old of some kind. And then he goes and he drops in on the, on the shadow. And the, he's like, oh, I like that tie. Where did you get it? Brooks yeah. brothers. Like, Brooks what? Brooks what? brothers. <laughs> it's the best. Like, that scene too is when it's just like them just talking to each other and like they're trying to read each other out and stuff like that. And they're just... Alec Baldwin and this guy just like have this amazing chemistry in that scene. I could watch a whole movie of them just like constantly like innuendoing each other or like trying to one up each other or just being like, please, you don't have to talk to me like I'm just some of these worthless slobs. What if uh, what if they did a remake of this with uh, Matt Barry? Wow. (laughs) I wow. Tim. If they announce that, like, they're rebooting The Shadow in a kind of almost, like, action comedy a la, like, The Green Hornet when Seth Rogen did it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they were just like, Matt Berry will play The Shadow. The Shadow knows. The yeah. weed of crime bears bitter fruit. <laughs> That's, wow. Very, <laughs> the, very good. And then they're, they're, that, after that scene when he gets the, when he frees the guy from the cement and he's in the, he's like, you owe me your life now. Which is like, that's a really... <laughs> And the guy's like, uh, can I ask my wife about this? And he goes, no, no, absolutely not. No. Um, and what? Yeah. And so we haven't even talked about the love interest in this uh, played by uh, Penelope Ann Miller, uh, who plays Margot Lane. Reinhardt Lane. Um, <laughs> the names are nuts. They're great. Uh, yeah. Mo Shrevnitz. Farley Claymore. Yes. Wow. That's a fucking good one. Um, Yeah. The uh, so Margot Lane plays this character. Margot Lane is this character played by Penelope Ann Miller, who (laughs) has like an ability to like read people's minds. Um, So it's kind of like shadow powers adjacent. Mm hmm. She can't cloud them, but she can read them. And mm-hmm. when when he first figures that out and he like looks super like when Alec Baldwin first figures that out, like when they're out on a date and he's just like, oh, fuck, <laughs> she could find out that I'm the shadow. Like the look that's on Alec Baldwin's face. He's just like, oh, fuck, we got to go. We got to get out of here. I like I, I loved that scene when he was like, you will forget all about me. And she's like, why the hell would I do that? <laughs> that he's just so- like, as if you never knew me. And she's like, what are you drunk? <laughs> That was great. I, I love that. Like, I like the effect that they do with the eyes. Like, whenever him or the bad guy are doing like the the clouding your mind thing, like they get those like big pupils. Mm-hmm, they almost mm-hmm. like turn completely black. Just like the complete eye color changes, and you get that. <laughs> the, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you dug this movie, man, because it's Ian McKellen is also amazing in it, and. It's so funny to think that, like, even in 1994, Ian McKellen was just kind of like this character actor that you just like brought on in to play the old 
uh, old coot of the old kind. like bumbling coot guy like yeah. oh, 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 oh what worries worries me <laughs> this one uh i don't think that i've ever i listen to a lot of um old time radio plays uh just as in in between podcasts yeah i, like, I mean like the podcasts of our history yeah uh so i don't know if i've ever listened to one of the shadow i don't listen to the superhero ones all that often but it does like i liked i could pick up some of the things that are sort of like of that era like it's mm-hmm. cool like he has like the the female sidekick who's like kind of a love interest but also a sidekick and like um it's not totally I get, it's cool that it's not totally a romance angle. She is also like his, his helpful or his sidekick. Yeah. Um, and uh, superheroes of that age of like the thirties and stuff, they like, they had guns. Like they kind of like, they aren't always that just punchy, you know, they do punch, but they also like, there's, there's a certain, uh, something happened in like the fifties when they started like, only punching i'm just going to bring them to the cops i'm not going to be a vigilante really mm-hmm. um i think that's interesting to see a movie of i like i like when the like those 30s movies come come around and you get those uh those kind of heroes well i would imagine too like a radio play like hearing a gun mm-hmm. you know as like a character's like the way that they're fighting like bam 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 like instead of just like the smack crunch yeah all right now copper take them out in like that kind of thing well they're always I- what are you gonna do with that gun and then, <laughs> then bam. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like what are you gonna do with that thing that you have in your your hand that i'm gonna name right now yes <laughs> <laughs> what 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 do you do with that is that a knife um Ugh, yeah. same thing with the that like that 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 sound effect that's like again part of the score but also the kind of sound effect of like when they're entering someone's mind like that's a perfect radio play sound like to illustrate like all right his eyes just got goofy and he's about to cloud some men's minds Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep that that sting that just like makes you the recognizable sting lets you know mm-hmm. what what's going on yeah god i love the music in this fucking thing i wonder if they have this on vinyl i would <laughs> god i would I, I would i would drop a vet bill's worth of money and <laughs> some of that what else you got in the shadow um i like when when tim curry traps him in the thing and he's like uh, and he's and he pulls his gun out i like that you call it the thing because i don't know what that is it's like a water tank of some kind is yeah, it i don't know why? I guess so. It I looks like it's just built to fill up with water when someone's stuck in it. It's very 60s Batman, you know? <laughs> I, I, I was like, I never thought about what is the purpose of this place and why is Tim Curry there? I don't know. Yeah, he's there as opposed I, to the I think other he was lab. like storing like the, what beryllium? is it? The, the beryllium sphere. Yeah. Which I knew was in my head and I could not figure out where it was from. And it's probably definitely from this movie. It is funny. There's like a Manhattan project tie in to with this. Yeah, uh, that is that's a funny bit. But I well, like when. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're about to say. But like, like an atom bomb. <laughs> no, I was saying I like when he goes to confront Tim Curry and he's doing the shadow thing and uh, he Tim Curry starts filling the water up and he pulls his gun out and the shadow goes. Oh, what are you going to, who are you going to shoot with that? And then he immediately shoots. Shoots. (laughs) 
Um, oh, and the flashback of Alec Baldwin as a like a warrior on the steps of of like the Mongolian steppes was so funny. It's good stuff, man. It's yeah, this like one rocked. I'm glad you dug it so much because it, it very much is like this weird movie. Like it kind of came and went when it came out. I used to have the action figure of the shadow that like, um, you know, you, 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 you push like a lever on, on his back and like both arms go up with the guns. Yes. But then also it had this awesome thing where like, if you shown, if you shine like a light through the back of his head, it made his eyes glow. Oh, wow. It was very cool. I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, uh, it's, uh, just a, a really fun movie that like, I kind of wish that we got more of them, like even just one more, like in that world, because this movie is kind of like, it's set on setting everything up at Mm -hmm. first, like as a lot of these things are like, you have to kind of have the origin, where this person come from? Why are they doing what they're doing? How is, how does what they do work? is like a big one in this that they kind of explain, but also just kind of like, we don't need to get into how the rings communicate to each other. Like, don't fucking worry about it. It was interesting at the end that he lobotomized that guy and that took away his telepathy because up until that point, I was like, oh, this is just like magic. Yeah, it is. Like, it is kind of like, maybe it's just more of a skill than we thought because we didn't see the training. Like, maybe they actually do have to like, hone their abilities like with like that part of the brain yeah yeah i yeah i just thought it was some sort of like you know fancy sort of magic stuff but yeah then there's like yeah no we he fucked up your brain so now you can't do your your powers anymore yeah and i love that doctor um at the end like when he's lobotomized and stuff like that and he's just like it looks like he's getting him and he's just like no i don't think we'll be doing that right now (laughs) (laughs) and he's got the ring as well and then he's like, I am the last heir of Genghis Khan. I'm J- J- John F. Yes. Kennedy. I'm Abraham Lincoln. More like, a, yes, the, the Napole- like, that's just such a classic. Uh, that's a Looney Tunes. Like, I, for whatever reason, whenever someone's crazy, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm Napoleon. I don't mm-hmm. know why. I, I mean, I think crazy people do do that. So I guess, you so. know, I've never met one of them, thankfully, because <laughs> they're all locked up mm-hmm. where they should be. Mm hmm. <laughs> mm hmm. Uh, you got anything else on the shadow? Um, no, I get just pointing out. Uh, you had you had the action figure with the guns again. The guns are hilarious because it's just like it's either you have a crazy weirdo, the uh, funky space gun, or in the nineties you either had a crazy weirdo funky funky space gun, or you had like chromed out like huge forty fives, maybe with a laser pointer, the biggest laser pointer you've ever seen on them, and it's just very funny. <laughs> it always makes me laugh. It's just a uh, just a um one of those things that's in all 90s action movies uh, and you can sort of like just pick out like when it's made by that. I don't well, know it's also why. Also too like the 80s and the 90s too it was just like guns, 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 yeah. guns. Yeah. Like I remember when Captain America the first Avenger everybody saw Captain America with a gun they were like, like what the oh, fuck is yeah. going on? And it's like I remember too like in the comics around that time um, that was around the time that Bucky became Captain yep. America and he was like gun time. I yep. have a gun and he's just <laughs> shooting people and you're like all right. Because this one, yeah. I, I feel like I remember that toy, but I don't know if it's because I'm also like, because we'll do the Phantom next one. And the Phantom is also a two gun guy, right? Big gun guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I, there was just there was a block in, in the mid 90s. I mean, I Judge Dredd. 
seeing that guy. Yeah. Big gun guy. Yeah. That's so it's guns. We love him, I guess. <laughs> Even Batman had like his little like Gatling gun. Oh yeah, he did on on his uh on the car, right? Uh on the car, also on his utility belts. That's how he kind of like went up buildings and stuff like that. Right, right. Classic yeah. Batman going up buildings. He loves to do that. That's what but- I got. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, which is Nature's Pantry. Nature's Pantry is an alternative grocery store that has been serving our friends and neighbors in the Hudson Valley for over 30 years. With two over 10,000 square feet locations in both Fishkill and New Windsor, they aim to meet the needs of every healthy diet and lifestyle. They offer an extensive selection of items for gluten-free, vegetarian, vegan, keto, and paleo diets, along with a wide variety of healthy and clean alternatives to whatever you might find at any conventional chain supermarket. Each location has a deli serving prepared foods daily, an eco-friendly bulk department, extensive body care and supplement departments, as well as the largest organic produce departments in Orange and Dutchess counties in New York. For more information, visit naturespantryhv.com. All right, well, let's uh, let's move on. Next up is a personal favorite of mine and uh, a real special little movie in my heart. Uh, we're going to talk about The Mask from 1994, uh, directed by Chuck Russell, uh, who is notorious for the first Scorpion King, mm. uh, the film Eraser, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. and a little movie called A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors, which oh, is wow. essentially the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie that I think really solidified Freddy Krueger as like a... A little, little stinker, you know, a little, a little bit more Looney Tunes in like what he's doing and how he's killing people and stuff like that. Uh, movie, uh, of course, uh, stars Jim Carrey as Stanley Ipkiss and The Mask. Uh, it's Cameron Diaz's first movie. She gets an introducing uh, card on this, which is like insane to think about that there was ever a time that Cameron Diaz like wasn't like a superstar, but they all got to start somewhere. And her first movie was the fucking mask um and peter green plays uh the bad guy dorian uh who's a lot of fun uh amy yasbeck uh plays uh peggy brant uh the reporter slash uh semi love interest um and it is you know it's about a, a dude who is you know a nice guy works at a bank and uh, just like, you know, never seems to be able to get a break uh, in his life and doesn't really have a whole lot of self-confidence, doesn't really stand up for himself and gets the mask, which uh, the mask, when worn by the wearer, uh, kind of brings out everything inside of them in a kind of like a, almost like kind of like a, a superhero type of way, like gifted with like invincibility uh can you can like break the rules of reality and pretty much do just about anything um this being based off of um 
a series of comics uh, called The Mask, but The Mask himself is actually like multiple characters in the comics, like multiple people get The Mask. They always look like The Mask character that Jim Carrey has, like they, they, they're called Big Head and there's like different versions of Big Head. Uh, they're extremely violent. Um, and the reason that Chuck Russell um, was brought on is because they were like, oh, we want to make like a superhero horror movie. And that's how this is going to start. And then when Jim Carrey was cast, and this was right before Jim Carrey was about to pop, Ace Ventura hadn't even been released yet. This is notoriously that year where Jim Carrey came out with Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber all in one year. Whoa. Uh, It's a run. And like by the time Dumb and Dumber comes out, he is like the biggest name in comedy Hollywood. So when they cast him in The Mask, they were just like, this guy is going to be a fucking star let's go a more comedic route. So they just like kind of like upped all the comedy, um, which I think they're all the better for, for the movie, because the movie is uh, like, I love this fucking movie so much. I think it is insanely funny. I think it's really well made in, in like regards to like sets and costuming and makeup. Jim Carrey's performance is just like, I, we we just recorded a episode on Sonic the Hedgehog, the Sonic the Hedgehog movies, and we were talking about like, remember when like Jim Carrey would just have fun with a character and just like do whatever he wanted, and the mask kind of allows him to do that because like it's this otherworldly cartoonish character. You know, when he's Stanley Ipkiss, he's still doing some of like that fun Jim Carrey mannerisms that we all know and love, but as the mask, like he can really like let loose, and it is just kind of this like. It's hard to think about like when Jim Carrey first broke onto the scene and people were just like, did you see this movie, The Mask, where this guy is like a maniac and is like kind of equal parts like disturbing and scary, but also like really funny. Uh, I, I, I just really I did like the like noir is like one of my favorite types of like genres like to be pushed on to like another genre to create this like fun subgenre like sci-fi noir and mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. high school noir like stuff like that and like i love the idea of this movie has like a lot of noir elements to it um not some of the biggest ones as far as like you know a mystery to be solved or like stuff like that but you know it's got like a femme fatale uh he's dealing he's like kind of like a down on his luck character uh, who's maybe in a a little oh, in a little bit over his head, uh, dealing with trying to like fight against like this like massive like crime ring in this city, uh, Edge City, uh, and the obvious connections to Batman are you know the the design of Edge City is very kind of like that it's a little gothic not as Mm -hmm. gothic as gotham city in the Tim Burton Batman movies, but it's got a little bit of that kind of like industrial kind of like, you know, city by the bay that's just been kind of left to rot and only like criminals and like the rich and corrupt are like being able to move on in life and be able to operate while everybody else is just scraping by. Right. Um, those are like the main ones that like that, that and like the the music in this one too is like I fucking love the masks theme. You know, from like the the little piano, dun 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 dun, 
Um, and like that, I love it. I'm doing a lot of music, uh, on this episode. <laughs> I know. And that's always the thing that I don't, I never, I don't check for Rob. Robbie is a big music guy. I know from the, the show, I don't, sometimes it's, I'm not a musical person. Fuck. So. I love it. Like, it's just like if a score hits just right, where like you get like something like the shadow and also like the crow and in the mask, like you get us, you get a theme that just like sounds like the character. Mm-hmm. Like it's got all the stuff that is like involved in like not just like how the character acts and what they stand for, but just like how the world operates and how the world, the tone of like the world that they're ex- that they're existing in feels. I feel like the music in this one just like knocks it out of the park. Um, I love this movie. I return to it um, every few years or so and just like am blown away by like how much I still like remember from it. Uh, and how much I still enjoy it, how well it's like aging in all of its like, even like some of its like grosser elements that are played for laps are kind of like also, I think even back in 94, played for a little bit of like skeevy grossness, Mm. uh, which kind of lends itself to like, they didn't think it was completely funny. Should they have done it? Probably not. But like, you know, there's a there's a couple lines in there that are like, okay, well, we probably didn't need that. It was of the time, yeah. It was of the time. Yeah. It, nothing egregiously bad. Like, no one's going to jail. No one's getting canceled over this. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what, uh, so yeah, you had seen The Mask before, obviously. Again, it's one of those ones that you yeah. see and then uh, years go by. I mean, I guess you watched it all the time, but years uh-huh. would go by and I would say, I, of course, I've seen The Mask, but this was the first time that I've sat down and rewatched it in a long time. What'd you think? It's kind of annoying. Yeah, no, totally. It's, it's, and uh, like, it's doing everything that it wants to do and it's doing it all pretty well. It's just like, it's just a little annoying. That's mm-hmm. all. That's, that's what I have to yeah, say. Yeah, we, we were texting last night while I was watching it and you were like, I find it kind of annoying. And I was like, we're going to fight. Uh, <laughs> but we're not going to fight uh, because, like, I do agree. Like, it is a little annoying, like, in the sense mm-hmm. of, like, kind of like what you're saying. It's like, it kind of has to be. Right. That's kind of like the whole point is that the mask character is very uh, unpredictable and loud and um, uh, like constantly vibrating with like manicness, like at all times. And like one joke on top of another on top of another. It is really funny too, like the all the like the catchphrases in the movie like every time he says smoking or somebody stop me he like almost like stares directly down the camera and like looking at the audience and being like my catchphrase you know i mean there's a reason that like every, anytime an eight-year-old sees this movie they just that becomes their vocabulary for the next like year absolutely i mean that was me like i was eight years old when i saw this movie and was just like captivated by it like as a kid uh didn't understand like some of the stuff like i remember it took a a few watches and like i didn't realize until i was like maybe more into my teens on a rewatch that he shoves like the gas like the like the uh, the exhaust pipes up the yeah, the, I, the, I, the, the mechanics. Butts. I pulled that one out, too. I was like, that's that's a lot. For that's pretty intense. Yeah. Well, that made sense to me when you brought up that the original mask was really violent because I didn't know anything about the comic. Um, and just the way that Jim Carrey steps into this, it's just like it's you would think that that's what it always was, was it's a he owns Looney it, yeah. Tunes in mm-hmm. real life, you know, sort of thing. And in 
that kind of makes sense. Like Bugs Bunny could shove a, uh, you know, a, a catalytic converter up your ass or something, and you'd be like, okay, yeah, I guess so. But then, like when they're wheeling guys out of the thing, and they're like, yeah, they need a proctologist. You're like, yeah, that would really be bad for you. That'd be you a know? bad thing, like to do things to people that. Looney Tunes characters do yes. to each other would be very, very bad. <laughs> There's like one story every year about a kid who's like sees a cartoon and hits his friend with a hammer, you know? Sure, like, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, it's and, and like my favorite movie of all time is Who Fred Roger Rabbit. And again, like I feel like that's really just based off of like these things of like I love cartoons. I love cartoonish rules. I love gags. I love jokes. I love noir. And this movie has a lot of those similar things in it. I mean, there's a scene in this movie that's pretty much just like beat for beat the same scene from Roger Rabbit with uh, Jessica Rabbit showing up and dancing when you have Cameron Diaz is like big like noir uh, show stopping number like at the club, mm-hmm. the Coco Bongo. Um I feel like that's why it just like, you know, we talked about the crow not really being my vibe. Mm -hmm. The mask is my vibe, like to a T like that. This movie was specifically made for my type of like what I want out of a movie that is about this. Like Mm -hmm. you think about like the Who Framed Roger Rabbit joke of like somebody dropped a piano on his head. And it's like, it killed him. Like, it's just like they dropped the piano on his head from 12 stories and it just killed, obliterated his brother. And you're just like, yeah, right. Like when you, you, you you like fucking like strap like a gigantic rocket to your back and light the fuse. Like, it's not just going to propel you. Like you're going to explode. (laughs) And, but I do like to like rewatching it this time, uh, the mask. I, I realized that it's like, it's not just uh ipkis's character as the mask that operates with like cartoon rules like he's obviously the one that operates the hardest with cartoon rules but the reality of the world that he's also in in edge city is also just kind of like people don't act like this like if you saw this nobody responds to like the fact that he's like wearing a green mask when he's in the coco bongo club yeah no you know, like, so oh, like, here's the weird green guy why yeah. no, we're not letting you in there wearing a mask like you can't do this and then when they're like, get him, you know, it's like, it's that guy right there. It's like, why didn't you say the guy with the green head? <laughs> yeah, I just never noticed that before. And then watching it last night, I was just like, oh, this movie is kind of operating on this kind of like, like slightly altered version of reality as far as like how these characters operate. And I think that that's like genre tone based. I think they're all kind of operating like they're in this kind of like noir kind of world where like you turn any corner and some kind of crime could be going on but just around the other corner someone's trying to solve it kind of thing Mm -hmm. i found that interesting that i just never had like figured that out because the mask himself is so loud and like that kind of just takes all of your attention and again maybe that's like part of uh the source material too you know of of these characters you know uh dick tracy you it's not weird to see a guy with a, a head that's shaped like a hammer you right. know yeah. you know so or like, for so like a detect a cop to like walk around dressed like the guy that owns curious george right yeah <laughs> or like a yeah assault uh assault logo or something yeah and he's just eating out of like a can that's marked chili <laughs> still my favorite part of that movie um but besides it being annoying, uh, did you have anything else on the mask that was like kind of popping out at you? 
Well, I, you know, Jim Carrey, he's he's just he's doing great. I mean, that's his that's his thing. That's his uh, he, that's his bread and butter. Um, you know, I just really the perfect opportunity for him to do his shtick is this movie. Yeah, uh, it's like almost like kind of. I mean, in a way, it was tailor made for him. Like it was supposed to be something else when he came on, and because of what he was bringing to it and what his talents and capabilities were comedically they were like oh we need to change this yeah like we need to really revolve this around like this performance and like what this guy can do you know he can do all this stuff with his face and his body but like we can also mess around with that with cgi and stuff like that i mean that's the other thing too like i think the cgi in this movie like all of like the effects i think they really live up because yeah. like there's some that are a little goofy that are just like, you know, when he's like stretching himself and like, ooh, ew, whoa, like it looks a little choppy and silly. But I think it's supposed to because then when you go to something like when his face turns into a, a wolf to like hoot and howl and do like that slamming on the table, it looks really, really good. Yeah, I, I noticed that as well. There, there were a lot of like um, good, good, like when. I don't. I, I don't mean to bring up the guns. So, but the, at the end, when he pulls up the giant like missile launcher thing, you are bringing that, up the guns know, a lot. I know. It's I didn't okay. really mean to. It's alright. I mean, I like to note it on the the nineties one, but this one, like the that one, I think that there's practical stuff in there too. I think they mm-hmm. got a couple practical pipes, but then they have um, like the other stuff. It looks great. Your I, classic like one, cartoony, like kind yeah. of gray with a little like shine on it, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that was, and I think that's probably part of it is that it's again, it's that that early CG where you have to tie it to your practical really well for it to look good. Mm-hmm. And so they, they did a good job with all that stuff. Uh, I mean, if you're bringing up guns, I'm going to bring up what I think is my favorite joke in the movie. And it's a little one. I don't know why it gets to me, but I literally just laughed out loud when it happened. I knew it was coming. And when it happened, I just like a chuckled, a good Mike Burge <laughs> chuckled to myself. Uh, and it's when they're searching his pockets. The cops are searching his pockets. He's been handcuffed. And um, they're pulling out all this different, like, bowling pin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what this is. Uh, the, the, and one of them pulls out, like, a, a, he's like, a, oh, a pair of uh, googly eye glasses. He's like, I've never seen those before in my life. While on the other side, they're pulling out a giant bazooka. And they're like, a bazooka? And he's like, I have a permit for that. <laughs> I don't know why that <laughs> joke just, one. like, it's yeah. just really... It's just the timing of it, as most mm-hmm. like great comedy is. Like the timing of it is just great. Um, Jim Carrey's delivery of like all those lines, as and that's it. Like he's good as both of these characters. Like I think he's really good as Stanley Ipkiss as like this kind of just like when he gives those tickets to the girl at the beginning, and he's just mm-hmm. like, why don't you know what? Eh, yeah, why don't you just take her? You know, no, no, no. That happened with your friend. Like really good stuff when he's like trying to close the drawer. Uh, when he first meets Cameron Diaz and he just like checks all of his drawers and one gets stuck and he just like elbows it real quick and just shoves it in. Like, it's just really fun stuff that you can tell Jim Carrey was just like having himself a ball on set mm-hmm. and doing it. Um, no, it's a, like, a, it's one of those movies too. Like it's the, the long, the longer and longer I do the podcast, I find that the movies that I really like the most are the ones that sometimes it's very hard to like talk about because like it's so with a movie like this like why i like it is just so like kind of instinctual to me like i just like it because again like it's a movie that i vibe with 
And it's something where it's like when I'm watching it and I'm enwrapped in it, I'm just like, oh, my fucking God. I love this goddamn movie. I never want it to end. I wish it was two and a half hours fucking long. Uh, but then when you get on to talk about it, you're just like, yeah, I really like it because of like the vibe. these four, four very <laughs> basic things that are present in other movies. It's just like these ones are just like finely tuned to they're calibrated to me almost. Yeah. I mean, sometimes a movie just uh, just all the pieces fit. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's that's what it is. Or uh, so, like it fits for some people, and for some people, it's annoying. It is. It's. it's I find it a little. I mean, long, I'm not going to okay. argue with you that it's annoying. I can, <laughs> I can, I can imagine that this movie could be quite annoying if you're not in the right mood to watch it, or the, not the right person to watch it. <laughs> Did you? Uh, you have anything else on the mask? Um, I don't know. I mean, for I didn't realize it was an introduction uh, role, but I mean. Cameron Diaz, uh, criminally attractive, like just mm-hmm. insane. Yep. Yeah. Almost illegal. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fun how they play with that in the movie yeah. too, where it's like, you know, we were talking about, uh, how it's like, you know, the, the, the reporter character is, mm-hmm. you know, kind of presented to be maybe the love interest, you yeah, know, kind maybe of thing. a two way script. Of, yeah. Of, and yeah, Cameron Diaz has more like the kind of femme fatale. Like you expect her to maybe be the one that'll double cross him, but then yes. it's the reporter that double crosses him. And I like that swap up on it. Um, I sent you the deleted scene. Some of our listeners might know about this, that there's this notoriously amazing deleted scene from towards the end of the mask, where after Peggy betrays uh, Stanley, and Dorian gets the mask on and she's like, but you said you wouldn't hurt him. He's like, I lied. And like they do their whole thing. Uh, the scene just ends in the movie. They go on and Peggy is never seen again. She does not oh, come so back. She I double check again. Okay. She's never That's seen so again. Funny. <laughs> and that is because there is a deleted scene where an extended scene where that scene keeps going. And Dorian throws Peggy into the newspaper printing machine where she is killed and blood is like all over the rolls and then newspapers start printing out. Uh, but instead of using black ink, it's blood. And it's like mm-hmm. reporter fatally dies. And the uh, picture is her her face being smashed up against what's presumed to be the roller. But, you know, probably yeah. just Xeroxed her face. Also, yeah. not how newspaper printing machines work. Uh, <laughs> somebody would have had to type all of that up but and no, it literally but- just happened. But it's the mask magic. It's because that's oh, a Looney Tune bit. Okay, so that's him doing the mask thing. That's okay, his magic. I was yeah, like, he uses that was one of my things where I was like, her. listen, if they kept that in the movie, I would have, you know, I would have hee-hawed in the way that I would hee-haw, but then also be like, that's a little fucked up that they just it murdered her. It is a little fucked up. I mean, but it does. She's just trying to make a little bit of money. You know, she's got yeah. to hold on to that condo. Well, it's so funny that she she hard selled him so bad at the beginning too. She was like, "A lot of our readers are looking for a nice guy, and just like I'm you. One of the readers, I'm one of them, yeah, yeah, you know." And then and then she just flips seatbelts. <laughs> yeah, that um, was. I, I remember the first time I saw that deleted scene. I was just like, "Oh, wow. yeah!" I was surprised. I, that was the first time I saw it when you sent it over. Um, I mean, it's a good bit. It's a funny bit, but it's, it's a funny also bit. Like, but you can also see why they would cut it. Totally, they'd be like, yeah. They'd be totally, like, listen, we're getting to the end of our movie right here. I don't think we need to shake things up by murdering one of our characters in cold blood. And 
no, a guy did die prior to that. Because like, I was trying to think if she was like the first like big death. Like, no, the, like so like, there's the robbery, the shootout guy. He died. That and that scene. I love how intense that scene is. Like in the middle of that, because it's while the mask is like already dancing with Cameron Diaz, and it's like uh-huh. all the drums and stuff. Yes. And he's just like, you come on, man, suck on this and gives him like a cigarette and the cigarette just like falls out. And then he like, son of a bitch and throws the Zippo into like the mirror right in time with the music. Like there's this like, it's really intense. Like the guy dies, like he's bleeding out and you can see that they're kind of friends and like this pisses him off. Like, I don't know. It's little stuff like that in a movie where it's like when you think about the mask, you think about the smashing a clock with a gigantic mallet yep. smoking yeah you know, p-a-r-t why yeah all that and like you forget like there's these little moments that are like really fun but also like really like well staged and just like kind and of serious. like serious and impactful and make you kind yeah. of understand why a character is so mad i love to like when when the mask gets shot and he does that yeah. And he like pretend dies a couple times and he's like coughing into the camera. Um he, he farts and goes, pardon me, uh, which is very funny. Um kind of inarguably funny. Um, uh, not annoying at all in any way. He makes a little <laughs> fart sound and he goes, Pardon me. And then he dies, and audience, an audience, a silhouetted like Mystery Science Theater 3000 esque audience stands up and starts clapping as they hand him an Oscar. And in the and while he's doing his thank yous and stuff, and it's super weird. Dorian Gray, uh, wait, his name's not Dorian Gray. His name is just Dorian. Not the uh, painting. He's not the painting. He is not the painting. No, Dorian is like he sees them too, and he's like he like fixes his shirt and his hair. Uh, and I like I I I. It's just like little stuff like that. You're like, wait, that doesn't make any fucking sense. But also like. Okay, it's kind of funny and just like off to the side if you don't notice it. Um, did you ever see the movie Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Are you aware that that's Zed from Pulp Fiction? The guy who is, for lack of a better term, um, fucking Ving Rhames in the is, basement of the of the pawn shop? Is who is the the main bad guy in the mask? Is Dorian, yeah, in the mask. That's oh, Zed. Really? That's like, remember, Zed's dead, honey. Yeah, yeah. That's no, Zed. I didn't... Yeah, the guy oh, that shows up awesome. as like a security guard or something. I was trying to remember what I know him most from. And he's also the bad guy in Blue Streak, which is that uh, Martin Lawrence movie where he like, is like a jewel thief that pretends to be like a cop to uh-huh. like infiltrate because like oh, yeah. he hit I a jewel, mean, yeah. went to prison. When he came back, the building that he hit the jewel in has become a police station. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Great idea. High concept shit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I just wanted to point out that he was, um, he said, uh, and uh, he uh, did not, he, I, he's still working. He's still doing stuff. Um, looks like he's in a lot of like, uh, you know, he's in a lot of movies uh, called like out of exile or, <laughs> you know, um, some, some red box specials, dragon fire, uh, yeah. you know, some stuff that may or may not have Scott Atkins in it. No offense. Uh, who is the, the guy with the cigarette? I think he, uh, was in SVU for a minute. Uh, uh does not shock me at all. What's, what's his name? Um, Reggie, Reggie Cathy. Cathy. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think he was in. He was, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He, yeah, I'm looking at his thing right now. He was. Uh, oh, hey man, he's uh, the dad. He's the uh, the Storm, Doctor Storm in the Fantastic Four. The the fan. What what what's it called again? It's like Fantastic. Oh, it's a fan movie. No, it's it's the Fantastic Four movie that they made in 2015. Uh, that was like, what a Fantastic Four, but gritty. Josh Trank made it. It didn't make any money. And Josh Trank was like, fuck everyone. Fuck all of you. You don't know what you want. And he wasn't allowed to do anything anymore. And so it's, it's called, pre-MCU? This is, no, this is while the MCU is going on, but they don't have Fantastic oh, Four right, yet. Oh, right, because it was Sony. This is yeah. still uh, Fox, uh, yeah. Oh, Fox, right. Um, okay. And yeah, he plays uh, Sue and Johnny Storm's uh, dad. Got it. There you awesome. go. Awesome, right? Isn't that great? <laughs> this is why we do podcasts, man, to talk about fun shit like that. Yeah. He's, um, uh, well, all right. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. We're over. Uh, unless you had anything else on the mask. No, I'm, I'm low on gas with these ones. Yeah, yeah. I think we I think we got through it. It was ordered correctly because I think we were yeah. excited to talk about the mask and our difference in opinion yeah. on it, which is absolutely fine. We're still friends. Okay, good. I right? Wasn't, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Man. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Thank you, man. Okay. Appreciate it. Right. <laughs> um, always fun getting together and talking about guns with you, Tim. I know. I'll uh, try to cut no, down You're not going to be able to because the next episode we are oh, covering. Oh, the guy with the, with the two guns. Yeah. You can't. Well, not even just that. Uh, so the next episode, uh, we are going to cover Judge Dredd, a guy who has a notoriously a big gun. Yeah. Uh, the Phantom um and spawn oh god oh yes but that, no, that's the thing is that those are all when you watch a 90s action movie they have the most they have just funny guns i don't know why every armorer on a set was like it needs to be chromed out it needs to have the biggest laser sight you've ever seen it's, it's just very funny it's not it's so different from i wonder if maybe now. it was like because they wanted to try and like make them not look like real guns I think maybe because like for toys trying, and stuff like that. I think they were trying to make them look high tech, and at the time, that's what high tech was <laughs> was a, a laser sight that takes add D more batteries. shit on top yeah. of it. Yeah, right. They, it wasn't now where everything is you know uh, has all those rails on it and shit that you can just slide things on and off easy. It was then it was like a lot more like intense. Um, I think that's why they did it, but it's very it's just very funny that every sort of schlocky 90s action movie has one of those in there it always makes me laugh i mean i'm excited to revisit judge dread just because like i haven't seen that one in a while like of these ones too like these three movies i watched a lot when i was a kid too because they were just always on tv mm-hmm. um i i got my vhs copy of the phantom with the like the kind of holographic card cover where uh-huh. it looks like he's punching you and it says slam evil <laughs> That's that was the movie. That was the movie's tagline. And we'll talk more about it next episode. But have you seen The Phantom? No, I just remember the the PR around. So here's the really fun thing about The Phantom. And anybody that's listening, that's going to watch too before uh, uh, before the next episode. um, Keep this in mind when you watch The Phantom. It's one of the most amazing lenses to watch a movie through. The Phantom is a lot of fun. Super goofy. Um, kind of like not a really great movie. However, the funniest thing about The Phantom is, is that it was written as a comedy satire. Mm. And was 
then directed completely straight faced as it. So the satire just went completely over their head to the point where the screenwriter, when he saw it, was like, oh, my God, what did you guys do? No, that was supposed to be funny. I was making fun of these types of movies. So it's we're getting to the thing now where it's like the Phantom is making fun of movies like um, The Crow and uh, The Shadow, especially like it's definitely like kind of doing that thing because The Phantom and The Shadow, you know, along with like the spirit and stuff like that, are these kind of old superheroes from like radio shows and comics and everything. Um, So keep that in mind when you watch it. It's um, it's very, very cool. Uh, to see that and be like, you guys just like turn this thing that was like m- mocking itself and what it's doing. And you just turned it into another one of these things. And it fits so perfectly because the satire is so good. They just like awesome. removed like they just removed like that one little chemical that would actually make it all funny and cohesive. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. That's awesome. Um, I, I just remember it bombed and I remember wanting to see it really bad. And I think my parents like saw how like all the trailers and like how violent it looked. And they were like, no. Yeah, it's a pretty violent movie yeah. uh, for what it is. It's surprisingly violent. It's got Treat Williams as the bad guy. It's good okay. stuff. OK, OK. Um, so, yeah, we're going to do those next time. Um, Tim, Thank you so much as always. I'm so glad we're still friends. Yep. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, I see that you got some duct tape back there behind you. Uh, yeah. I just it's just on the on the stairs. That's all. All right. You duct taping some stuff? No, I just put it there because I I don't know why. It just it just needed to be there. You just needed to kind of like complete the frame behind you yeah. on the Zoom yeah. call. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Um, and visit StoryScreenPresents.com. That's right. It's StoryScreenPresents.com now, uh, where you can check out a bunch of other podcasts, such as uh, other episodes of Overdrinkers uh, and episodes of Hot Takes, Cathode Raycast, Freaking Out with Flanagan, mm-hmm. a whole slew of uh, really cool shows with really cool people talking about really cool stuff. Um, also a bunch of articles and everything, and you can sign up for our newsletter at the bottom right there and also check out our Patreon page that we have, uh, where we've got a bunch of awesome shows that are just going up on our exclusive content feed. Uh, Bernadette Gorman White and I are approaching the end of our Robert Pattinson filmography series, oh. uh, the Pattinson stuff. We have one episode left. So the next one, I think we're covering, uh, a couple weird ones, but also, um, the, mainly the Batman and um, Tenet, uh, nice. which will be a lot of fun to, especially with Tenet, be a lot of fun to revisit. Um, and then we're also doing, I do 8-Bits on that series with uh, uh, with uh, Robbie Anderson, where we talk about video game movie adaptations. And uh, I write occasionally uh, my Spielberg retrospective series called Movie Daddy, just talking about Spielberg's movies. And Diana DeMuro, uh, the lovely, lovely Diana DeMuro, mm-hmm. um uh put up um is getting ready to put up uh some pretty pretty good stuff on there there's a lot of content coming coming on up that's uh gonna be well worth the uh the five bucks Ooh. a month to get access to it uh so check all that out and thank you guys again tim thank you and uh catch you next time yeah i can't wait thank you tenant is the same backwards and forwards it is yeah. tenant i just said yep. it backwards what That's crazy.